You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for everyone that's listening to this message right now, wherever they're at. I ask that you speak to them. I ask that um, that whoever is listening to this, wherever they are, that they not get what I prepared, but that they would get exactly what you would have for them right now in this moment. And Father, I thank you that as we take our eyes off of everything that we have seen in the past and we put our eyes on you, as we look to you, Jesus, in this moment, as we look to you, may you transform us as your word says. May you transform us as we rest in what you did for all of us at the cross. And I thank you for everything that you're doing, everything you have done, and everything that you will do. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Lord. Amen. So that said, we're going to open up in Romans chapter 10. And... This message actually came out of uh, uh, of me just kind of praying and asking God a few questions. And one of the things that the Lord shared with me was this. The most important thing you can do on this side of the cross. And when I say things like that, I mean the cross is now behind us. In 2018, the cross is behind us. All right. So what's the most important thing that you can do on this side of the cross? Now, if you had asked me this question probably a month ago, I would have said praying in the spirit. And so when I, I took a moment, I felt that, in fact, what I was doing, I was actually driving and the Lord impressed on me. What's the most important thing you can do? He, I feel like he asked me that question. And so my first response was praying in the spirit. And straight away, the, it, about two or three minutes later, straight away, I just felt like impressed from the Holy Spirit. It's not so much praying in the spirit because there are some people who pray in the spirit and nothing happens. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I can speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels, but if I don't have the love that God has for me, it doesn't profit me anything. So it's very possible to pray in the spirit and it not profit you one thing. All right. So praying in the spirit. Yes, it is important on this side of the cross, but it's not the most important thing. So then I thought, well, if it's not praying in the spirit, it must be communion. And in our church, we believe strongly and we believe uh, 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 aggressively and radically in the power of the Holy Communion. We take it a lot in our church. I take it a lot personally. And so I say, well, if it can't be that, then it must be communion. But the problem with that is this. There are some people who take communion that Paul said himself, not discerning the Lord's body, the judgment that's in the world is on them because they themselves are not discerning the Lord's body. So it's possible to take communion and it never benefits you one thing. And so I was sitting in my car and I said, okay, well, Lord, what is the most important thing? Because to me, these are the big things that we can do on this side of the cross. And I felt impressed from the Holy Spirit hearing. Again, that's hearing. The most important thing you can do on this side of the cross is to hear the word of God. Now, I know there's some people who say, well, I'm in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday, every Saturday, every every time the doors open, I'm in church. But it's not just hearing the word of God. It's not just hearing somebody preach. There's a lot of people who say, I'm a pastor or I'm a preacher, but they don't preach the gospel. They preach life lessons. They preach things to do. And as I was just kind of listening and meditating on all this, again, it's not just hearing preaching. It's hearing the preaching of grace. It's hearing the preaching of Jesus. And I say that specifically, I'm just, I'm going to show you here in just a moment in Romans chapter 10. But as I was sitting here meditating on this, it dawned on me that there are a lot of preachers. <laughs> Let's say it like this. Let's say you fall sick with a terminal illness 
And immediately you go to God and you say, you know what? Your word declares, Lord, that by your stripes, I was healed. So you start trying to stand on that promise and you stand on that promise. Now, we all know, and, and if you don't know this, I, I'm a firm believer that whatever you need from God, faith is always the currency that you use. In other words, according to the level of faith you have, that's the level of receiving that you'll get. In other words, a person who doesn't have a lot of faith, but they turn to God, all right? They ask God for something, but they don't really believe they're going to get it. They don't have a lot of faith. They might get something, but I doubt they're going to get the 100% that they actually need. One time somebody came to Jesus for healing and Jesus turned to them and said, be it unto you according to your faith. That's the old King James Version. Uh, again, though, be it unto you according to your faith. In other words, the level of faith that you have right now, that's the level that you will receive. And so a lot of people, you know, we all want something from God. But the question is this. Do you have enough faith to receive the 100% that you need? Now, when it comes to that, one of the things the Lord impressed on me a while ago, in fact, a couple of months back was this. You cannot blame people in your church, in my church. I can't blame people if they don't have the faith to believe for something. That falls on the responsibility or that falls on the shoulders of the leadership. If the leaders are actually preaching what they're supposed to, then the people will always have the faith they need when they have a problem. Now, knowing that, I took that and I wasn't so hurt. Like, oh my God, how dare you, Lord? What in the world? I took it as a, uh, almost as an encouragement. Keep preaching Jesus. Because every time you preach Jesus, faith arises, arises in people subconsciously. They don't have to focus on faith. If they just focus on Christ, the faith they need will be there. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, but suffice to say this. Every single miracle that Jesus did, every single miracle started with hearing. Somebody heard something and it made them come to Jesus. Somebody heard something different and it made them come to Jesus. Every single miracle started with hearing. One of my favorite stories is the woman who uh, had the issue of blood. The Bible says that she has spent all her money on doctors and instead of getting better, she grew worse. So not only is she bleeding and she's been bleeding for 12 years and she can't stop the bleeding. So she's unfruitful, but she's also now stepped into poverty because she spent all her money and she hasn't gotten any better. She's only gotten worse. And the Bible says that she heard about Jesus. And when she heard about him, she said to herself, she didn't say to anybody else, whatever she heard about Jesus made her say to herself that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can get healed. And so it's that same principle of, hey, what she said to herself was really her saying by faith, I don't even have to have Jesus's attention. I just have to be close enough to touch the hem of his garment. And if I can touch the hem of his garment, whatever I need from him, I'll get it. I'll get it. Now, what kind of faith is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's powerful faith. That is uh, uh, astronomical type of faith. You don't see faith like that in church today. But that woman heard something about Jesus. And whatever she heard about him made her faith rise to a level that's unheard of today. And so if you ask me again, every miracle starts with hearing about Jesus. Now, I believe in church today, what happens or I believe what happens um, in, in a lot of churches, and I'm not here to bash churches. If you know me, you know my heart. I love the church. I believe in the church. And I think if we attack other churches, we're missing the point. We're not here to divide, uh, divide each other. We're not here to point on each other's faults. We're here to build the body of Christ as a whole. So in my church, we don't we don't call out churches. We don't call out pastors. That's not my job. All right. <clears throat> However, I do believe that one of the biggest problems we have in the church today is this. The masses of people go to church and they listen to preaching and teaching that has nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, me and my wife, we were listening to a sermon by a great man of God. And I think he's a great man of God. I, I, I actually like this man of God. I love the worship that comes out of this place. I love this church. This church is awesome. 
But the problem with this, the, the, one of the, the biggest problems I, I, I see is uh, very true of many churches around America. This guy got up and he preaches a 30-minute message about, I'm not going to tell you the topic because I don't want to give away who it is, but he preaches this message and I mean, it was good. And me and my wife said, we're not going to have any bias. Let's just listen to what he says. So we sat down for 30 minutes and we listened to the sermon. And when he finished, we both looked at each other and we said, man, that was a good message. She said, yeah, that was really good. And then I stopped and I said, but wait a second, at what point did he say the name of Jesus? And she stopped and said, wow, I didn't even realize it. But it was a good message. And she said, yeah, it was really good. But he didn't say Jesus one time. And I said, you know, and the sad thing is this, it's not a contest to say, how many times can you say Jesus in one sermon? But if you're not preaching about Jesus, then you never need to say his name once. And I think we are in a scary place and in a scary position when people can go to church, they can shout, they can hoop, they can holler, they can run around the place, they can laugh, they can scream, they can have an amazing time gathered together. And the pastor never need to say the name of Jesus one time because he's not preaching about him. And then at the end of the 30 minutes, all of a sudden somebody comes out and says, okay, I want to give an altar call like we love to do at the end of our services. We're going to give you an altar call to receive Jesus. And it's like, you just preached for 30 minutes about how I can be a better person. And then all of a sudden at the very end, oh yeah, by the way, uh, we want to give you the opportunity to receive Christ. And it's like, you didn't need to throw that in there. Why would I receive Jesus at the end of that 30 minute message when you just told me how to be a better person? Now, again, I'm not trying to uh, point out any pastor or any flaws, but the reason why I'm saying it is this. What you are hearing has everything to do with the level of faith you have. If you're listening to preaching and teaching that elevates Jesus and points out Jesus and all his beauty and all his glory, when the time comes for you to need a miracle, you will have the faith you need. But if you're hearing about you and how you can be a better person and all the things that you need to stop doing and all the things you need to do, when the time comes for you to have the faith to trust God, that God will move for you, I highly doubt you'll have the faith you need. Because the more I hear about me, the less faith I'll have in him. But the more I hear about him, the more I will have faith in him. So we're not here to point out each other. We're here to point out Jesus. Now, I want to touch on a very popular verse in Romans chapter 10. A lot of people know this. We're going to come down to verse 17 that says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But before we come to that, let's back up a little bit. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 10, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. In Romans chapter 10, the apostle Paul is actually dealing with something that a lot of people uh, are, are, are confused about today. In Romans, Paul is encountering a lot of Christians who are saying, well, I can stay right at home. I don't need to go to church. I can stay at home and hear what God has to say for me. I can have church right at home. And the apostle Paul is looking at these people thinking, wait a second, wait a second, you've missed it. You're missing the point. And a lot of people today say the same thing. I can stay home and read my Bible. God can speak to me. So this is Paul's answer. But Paul's not just going to cover that. He's also going to cover something else, the problem of unbelief. And I want to show you how God responds to that. And it's an amazing truth. Now, we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 10. Let's look at verse 14. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul says, How then shall they call on him, talking about Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Now notice obedience and belief go hand in hand. In the old covenant, obedience is what you did. In the new covenant, obedience is what you believe. In the old covenant, you could believe the truth 
and do the wrong thing and get punished for doing the wrong thing. In the new covenant, you can believe the truth and get rewarded for believing even though you still do the wrong thing. Now, I know that's a contrary idea to how we teach and preach in church. You have to do the right thing. You must do the right thing. But I'm here to tell you the truth. It's not my obedience that brings the favor of God into my life. It's the obedience of Christ. And the more I believe and rely on the obedience of Christ, the favor of God comes on me and comes on my family. And God protects me. God favors me. God watches over me. Not because of my obedience, but because of the obedience of Christ. So real quick, one more time. Paul says in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. Now watch this. This is such a, uh, an amazing truth. Isaiah dealt with the truth, dealt with a problem. <clears throat> he says, Lord, who's believed my report? And this comes from Isaiah 53. He says, Lord, who, who's believed our report of all the good things God wants to do? Who has believed what we're saying? And Paul is saying, I understand what Isaiah said because I'm saying the same thing. Who has believed our report? And I'm beginning to understand Paul more and more. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sympathizing with Paul and Isaiah. God, you are so good. You are so much better than we thought you were. Who has believed our report? Who's believing what we're preaching and teaching? Who's believing it? And then he says in verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, if you have a good study Bible or, or if you have a Greek um, version of it, you can go look this up for yourself. And I challenge our church every week. Do not take my word to be the word of God. Go back and study for yourself. So anyways, right here, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing. That phrase hearing and hearing is not a hearing comma and that hearing by the word of God. For some reason in, in, in our Western culture, we have tried to just group that together and say, yeah, faith comes by hearing comma and hearing by the word of God. No, no, no. It's actually faith comes by hearing and hearing. The idea is not the conjunction of hearing comma and that hearing is by the word of God. It's hearing and hearing and hearing. In other words, it's an idea of constantly, constantly, constantly hearing. The more you're hearing the word of God, the more faith you will have. Faith doesn't come by reading. And I say this reverently. Faith doesn't come by reading the word of God. Faith doesn't come by thinking about the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now, that's it. How does somebody hear in that sense? It's hearing that comes through a preacher. You have to follow the context. The context talks about what? A preacher. Faith doesn't come by reading. Faith comes by hearing. And that hearing comes by a preacher. Now that said, knowing that truth, the word God here, let's take it one step deeper. The word God, by the word of God, that word God is actually not theos, which is the Greek word for God. It's the Greek word Christos. Now that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what it means. Christos means Christ. Now, if you've never heard any of our stuff before, then you kind of, uh, you might be kind of drawing a blank, scratching your head going, well, Matthew, what's the difference? The word of God, the word of Christ, Jesus and the Father are one, right? Well, absolutely. But there's a difference between the word of God and the word of Christ. Let me explain. In Exodus chapter 20, the word of God, God gave the Ten Commandments. Now, we know that God spoke the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 is a quote from God himself. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. That is the word of God. All right. But did you know that you can preach the law and faith will never come? In Galatians chapter, I want to say Galatians chapter 4 or chapter 5, I can't remember off the top of my head. But in Galatians, Paul says, the law is not of faith. For years we were taught the opposite of faith is fear. That's not right at all. In fact, Paul says himself, the opposite of the law, I'm sorry, the opposite of faith is the law. If the law is working, faith is a rest. What's the opposite of rest? Work. What's the opposite of work? Rest. 
the opposite of the law is faith. Now, knowing this truth, why am I saying that? In Exodus 20, God gives the Ten Commandments. He gives the law. You can preach the law all day and no one will rest because the law is not of faith. The more you preach what to do, people will not go home and rest in Christ. They'll try to do what you told them to do. So you can preach Exodus chapter 20. You can do a whole series sermon on Exodus chapter 20. But faith will never rise as long as you are preaching the word of God. And I say that reverently. But when you preach the word of Christ, the word of God's grace, Jesus and what Jesus did for you at the cross, everything Jesus did, the more you preach Jesus, the more faith will rise. And you never have to focus on what you're doing and not. You just have to focus on hearing. Now, Jesus echoes this, I believe it's in Luke's gospel. In Luke's gospel, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus, uh, he raises Lazarus from the dead and he's at the home of Martha and Mary. And when he goes to Martha and Mary's home, Martha gets up and she immediately starts working to prepare food for Jesus. She sees Jesus hungry, all right? But Mary, she goes and she sits down at Jesus' feet and she hears his word. Martha gets so stressed out and so frustrated, she comes in there and she's angry. And then she's so angry in one breath, <laughs> she blames Jesus and she blames her sister. She says, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to prepare all this food for you? And Jesus looks at her and instead of taking her aside and saying, Martha, you're absolutely right. Mary, you should go help her because that is the customary way to act. Instead, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the excellent portion that will not be taken away from her. In other words, the answer to your worry and care, the answer to your anxiety and your stress and your frustrations in life is not to do more. The answer is to hear more. And the more you are hearing, that hearing will be the answer to all your problems. So don't find time to do more. Find time to hear more. And in our church, we encourage hearing, hearing, hearing the word of Jesus and the word of grace a lot. Now, that said, we're already at 20 minutes and <laughs> I try not to make these messages too long, but we're only on the first verse. So I hope that you are. Uh, I hope that you have a cup of coffee ready. I hope that you have time, notebooks, and I hope you are absolutely ready for a long message because we're about to go as long as we can. Uh, <laughs> so that said, again, we just want to make sure that we lay a good foundation. What is the best thing that you can do on this side of the cross? And I believe it is hearing. So let's take it one step further. If you have your Bible, let's open up to Hosea chapter 7. Hosea chapter 7. Now, because I was preparing ahead of time, I'm not going to take my time to linger and, and wait. So if you have your Bible, you can just catch up when you get there. But in Hosea chapter 7, we're going to pick up at verse 8. In Hosea 7, God says something interesting. And he's talking to the tribe of Ephraim. Now, Ephraim is an interesting tribe. Their name means double portion. All right. Their name, one more time, it means double portion. And God is angry with Ephraim, specifically in Hosea. And he's going to tell them why. He's going to tell them why judgment is coming. But I want you to note what he says about Ephraim, what he says about double portion. In verse 8, God says, Ephraim has mixed himself, I'm sorry, mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is a cake unturned. Now, back then, when you would bake a cake, you had to flip the cake so that it would bake on both sides. But when he says you're a cake unturned, what he means is this. You're raw on one side and you're cooked on the other. It's a picture of mixture. You're a cake that's been unturned. All right. Very interesting. To me, that speaks of the body of Christ today in a lot of ways. You hear Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then at the same message, you hear what to do and what not to do. You hear the law. So notice there's a mixture. Then he says this, verse nine, aliens have devoured his strength, but he doesn't know it. Yes, gray hairs are on his gray hairs are here and there on him. Yet he does not know it. 
Verse 10, and the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they don't return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. Now, very interesting. It, 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 to me, it goes back to the problem that we said earlier. You can go to church and hear what to do and what not to do and never see the need to run to God to fix the problem because you've just been taught and you've just had someone preach to you what you're doing wrong and how to fix it. Instead of being told, run to Jesus because he's done it all, you hear how to fix and how to make your life better. All right. So notice one more time, it says in verse 10, and the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they do not return to the Lord their God nor seek him for all of this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. Now, real quick, Egypt. Egypt is so important because in Egypt, the main water source is the Nile River. The Nile River is down. In other words, when you need water or when you need life, a picture of life, so to speak, you only have to look down at what you can get from the ground. When God told them, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to bring you to the promised land, the idea of the promised land is this. The water is not going to be on the ground. Yes, there are rivers and lakes and seas, but the idea is that the water must come from the heavens. It must come from above. In other words, your life will not be from what you can pull from the ground. It'll be from your prayers that go up to heaven and God will answer you with the rain. Now, knowing that, again, it's a picture of the favor of God will come down on you instead of you trying to work and pull it for yourself. Egypt speaks of the best that man can do in his own, but the promised land speaks of the best that God wants to give man in his love for man. So he says they call to Egypt and it says they go to Assyria. Now, I had to do some homework, but Assyria was a nation that one time the, the northern kingdom of Israel was attacked and they went to the Assyrians and they said, save us. And God got angry because God said, you know what? Instead of coming to me for safety and coming to me for protection, you went to another nation that was really your enemy for protection. So he says they go to Assyria. Verse 12, wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them. Now watch this, not according to what they did, but he says this, I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. Now that's a powerful truth if you ask me. God is saying it's not what they did, it's what they heard. Now to me, this speaks to the New Testament uh, church. It speaks to New Testament believers in that sense. And I say this because of this. It starts off by saying what? You are a cake unturned. It's talking about mixture. And again, it's not talking about what they did. He mentions what they did, but the reason why they did all those things is summed up in verse 12, according to what their congregation heard. In other words, they did it because that's what they heard to do. And I'm not going to judge them for what they did. I'm going to judge them for what they heard. I'm telling you, I believe with everything in me, the greatest thing we can do on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ is to hear the message of God's grace. If you don't have the faith to believe for something, just keep believing. Just keep hearing the message of God's grace. And I promise you the faith will be there. You don't need to do more. You just need to hear more. Now that said, let's open up to the parable of the sower, if we may. The parable of the sower is... Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.